the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we will be doing a rebroadcast of an interview we did with Hannah Finman on a trip to, coming back from a trip from Israel and the very significant Israel Museum. We've got wonderful music scattered throughout the show. In the second half of the show, we'll be talking about the portion of Chukas, which can be found in the book of Numbers, chapter 17 and 4 following good some good bible story we've got a wonderful story all at the speaking of stories we got a great Hasidic story all the way at the end before we do anything else let's go right to the news two policemen standing guard at the grand synagogue in tunis were stabbed The wounded officers overpowered their attacker. The attacker was imprisoned on a terrorism charge, but was released. The oldest former Nazi camp guard ever put on on trial in Germany has been sentenced to five years in prison. Josef Stutz, who is 101 years old, was found guilty of complicity in the mass murder of 3,500 prisoners at the Sachsenhausen Tracing Camp north of Berlin between 1942 and 1945. Two worshippers and an IDF colonel were injured after terrorists opened fire at Jews who, were, who had entered Joseph's tomb to pray in the city of Shechem. Pamphlets were distributed to Jewish homes in Boca Raton, Florida, by a fringe group called, you know this one, Goyim Defense League. These people are really dumb. It should be really called Goyish Defense League if they're going to call it something. But these are the Goyim Defense League. Bunch of dumb butts. Anyway, pamphlet accuses Jews of being behind mass immigration and gun control, and they really haven't got a clue. 
The Huff K Kosher Supervisors is suing JetBlue for selling artichoke snacks bearing the Huff K symbol. Huff K does not supervise those products, but does supervise other snacks available for purchase on JetBlue. One year after, another food story, one year after Ben & Jerry's decided not to sell ice cream in the West Bank, its parent company Unilever sold the Ben & Jerry's license to an Israeli food company for an undisclosed amount. Ben and Jerry's of Vermont objected to the sale, but Unilever says the subsidy has no say. And finally, in the sport, baseball great Ian Kinsler is the new coach for the Israeli baseball team for the 2023 Baseball World Cup. Kinsler replaces Gabe Kapler, who interestingly both played for the Detroit Tigers. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Talking about the Israel Museum. How are you? This the Jewish Hour Silver Wines as well. It's One Stop Kosher on Greenfield Road in 696 for all your shopping needs. Are listening to the Jewish Hour? We have online the Jewish Hour's own and my wife Hannah Finman, who has just come back from a trip to the Holy Land to Israel. We're going to be talking about the Israel Museum. How are you this afternoon, this morning, Hannah? I'm up. <laughs> That's better than the alternative. My my grandmother used to say, if I wake up and I didn't see my name in the obituary page, I'm doing a, I'm already ahead of the game. It, yes. it's so that that quote it always makes me think of what a tough life your grandmother had. You know that kind of sour Jewish humor. That's just Jewish oh, humor. Yes. Oh, so, you no, know, there was a whole industry made with that sour Jewish you humor. The betcha. Borscht belt. The whole Borscht belt. The whole Borscht belt, and, and they would laugh. But that humor just doesn't fly now. <laughs> I think it goes pretty good. Listen, uh, there are websites at alljewishjokes.com. But we're not talking about that. We're not yeah, uh, discussing oh, my, my, my sense of humor or lack thereof. Oh, no, no, no. You're, so, you're fine. Humor is you. Indeed, uh, indeed. So... Yeah. The, people go to Israel and they know all about, they hear about the holy sites, you know, the Western yeah. Wall and the city yeah. of Kavron and the Galilee and the Can yeah. and the, uh, the, the Kinneret, you know, the, yeah. the Lake of Tiberias over there, yeah, you know, nice. the holy cities and all Good those stuff. things. Museums tend to get overlooked a little bit. I mean, we have, we talk about archaeology, archaeological digs. I report here probably uh, two or three times a month, the really? latest ancient find that they found in Israel. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. they they have to put them someplace. So tell us <laughs> tell us about the Israel Museum. This is like the National Gallery, okay. the National Archive of Israel. Right. Well, hang on, folks. Put First your seatbelts on. Seatbelts on. 
you've given me a platform to go in zillion directions and I'm a little confused which way to start. Um, this trip to Israel was a short one, only two weeks. And um, the truth is, anyone who has the opportunity to go to visit Israel and uh, hasn't been there yet would more than likely be on a tour. And the tours are great because you don't have to plan. You don't have to think about, you know, the logistics. They do everything for you. You said you don't have to think. That's the way to go. That's what it, Now, if you go to Israel and you don't take a tour because you're the kind of person who'd rather do all your own research, you're in good hands. Because I just have to say, just from a very you know plain point of view, the thrill of, of coming to Israel is extreme. I think for every person that comes to Israel, it's an extreme experience. It's not like, I, you know, I do travel and I'm in Europe, I'm in American cities, I'm uh, schlepping around other parts of the world because I do travel. And it's always a thrill to travel if you're a traveler. But when you come to Israel, there's something very unique about it. It's more of a homecoming. And, um, and then you have amenities there, which are wonderful for an American. All the road highway signs are in English. Which they're also helps. in Hebrew. But there you can manage in English, even if you're not on a tour. You'll be fine, fine, fine. Even in restaurants, you can ask for an English menu. Okay? So um, in, in the museums, everything is also in Hebrew and English as well. So anybody who wanted to travel to Israel and you managed to find a nice ticket on the Internet like I did, which was $600 round trip, which is half the normal price, you could really be fine. You don't have to rent a car. You can get around pretty much on a wonderful bus system, plus a wonderful train system, plus a wonderful light rail system that goes through Jerusalem, which is so state-of-the-art. It's just magnificent. The infrastructure in Israel is constantly upgrading. Um, So that's great. And then, of course, you can always take a cab and walk and walk. And, by the way, you can walk. (laughs) There's a great deal of walking in Israel. And it's, it's great. I mean, I rented a bike one day. Um, the bike rentals like you have in major cities in America where you uh, put in a credit card and then you have the bike and there's resting spots where you can lock it again in different strategic areas. And that way you're paying very little money for a whole uh, bike day adventure. I did it in uh, the city of Jaffa, right by the coast, the ancient city, um, which is fabulous, the ancient port city. Uh, that that was a great ride, yeah. So you oh, you brought up museums, right? Right. Well, the whole Israel is a museum. I, I call and it a biblical theme go, park. Every, yes. Every street sign is named after a Jewish person from Jewish history, and and that's when when you know when you're li- used to living not in a Jewish country and you're Jewish and you see the name of your own family all over the place because somebody was famous with the same name, which is very common. It, that, you, feel you mean so there's connected. a Finman Street? I don't see a Finman Street, but you know, my maiden name is Rothschild, and that really gets a lot of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rachov Rothschild is all over the place. Bad. Yeah, I'm taking pictures under every... Uh, but um, 
no, seriously, the Jewish heroes, you know, um, from ancient times into the modern era, you'll have, you know, and it's just something, you know, really remarkable that you know you're in Israel, you're in a Jewish country, you're not in any other place. But as far as the museums go, um, I was in the Tel Aviv area. There's many great museums in the Jerusalem area, which I couldn't go to on this trip, but I did research them. Uh, I think there's more art museums and history museums in Israel than any other country, you know, Makes sense. culturally speaking, than any other place in the world. They say that Israel has per capita more violinists than in any other country. <laughs> Violinist? All their mothers, all these Jewish mothers that insisted that their child become the next Yasha Heifetz, you know. So. Yeah, that's funny. Well, the museum that I uh, wanted to talk about, because I think it was it was really great, it, it's called the Eretz Yisrael Museum in Tel Aviv. Eretz means land, so it's really the land of Israel Museum. And why I really liked it to talk about on the program today is because it's the kind of museum the whole family can enjoy, young and old and everything in between. It's on a campus with pavilions. It's very beautiful. So you, you come in and you can visit a, uh, a pavilion that deals with ancient coins, which for me was the most interesting one because um, I teach art and I've taught, you know, it's on coins. Coins tell the whole story of that particular nation's history, don't they? Now, when you're talking and coins, you're talking coins. about, like, dinars and shekels and cellas and all that kind of stuff? Exactly. And they had the story of how the coins are made as well, which some, that's something I'd never seen in a, how do you say, numismatic? Numismatic. Numismatic. Numis, numismatic is a word that we don't use very often, but that is... You the, do have to talk about coins, but anyway, go ahead, continue. Coins, Yeah. So we're talking 7th, 6th centuries BCE. We're talking about the history of how the coins are made. That's some old spirit change. Well, if you are interested in Jewish history, then you see the entire history book in these artistic coins. And they were artistic. Then what goes along with that is the pavilion for copper mining. And uh, everything is quoted with biblical quotes. Copper mining? Yeah. You mean like Solomon's copper mines? Right. So there's, they have, uh, in the museum, they'll have like a plaque, we'll say, from Deuteronomy, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. So then they'll have a mini mine, and you can see the progression of the uh, technology of smelting and the early... Um, pieces of actual iron objects that would range from everything you read about biblically, from the Midianites, uh, you learn, uh, you see the, uh, the Tima, uh, uh, what do you call it, furnaces, and you see all through the Egyptian eras, the cult, actual cult objects from those times, which I find fascinating going through the uh, biblical um, times of the prophets, and everything would be labeled like this, uh, for instance, a copper snake with a gilded head uh, found in the naos of the Midianite shrine, perhaps pointing to the biblical Nehushtan, 
which is in the second book of Kings. So people who have been studying the Bible will be enthralled at seeing these actual objects. Now, in the British Museum in England, you can there's a book for sale there in their bookstore that was very costly, where you can go around the museum and see the references to artifacts that are actually in, housed in the British Museum. Fabulous tablets and... Um, okay. They have the same um, thing in the Israel Museum? Not on the same scale. Everything here is smaller. You don't have, like in the British Museum, the actual relief work that lined the walls in the Babylonian uh, 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 palace of, of uh, Nimrod and, and the other great leaders in Babylon who, who basically, you know, destroyed the first temple. Um, there's pieces around the world of those kinds of items that are amazingly large. Like in Berlin, you have the gates of the okay. car. So let's, let's focus though, you know, back on... In let's, Israel, let's, let's it's, everything's Israel. on a smaller scale, but it's very, very fascinating. So then, as you walk around this campus, in and out of these pavilions, there's a pavilion for ancient glass, which is the largest ancient glass collection in the world. Um, You're talking glass, also, not ceramic. Glass, yeah, ancient glass. And then you have the ceramics, which I'm very interested in. And then you have from early cavemen-type people through to um, Roman era of um, ancient uh, pottery. The pottery, again, tells the story of the peoples. So, again, you know, you, you can see, oh, this is from the Philistines. Wow, that's interesting. You read about the Philistines all the time in the Torah. And here's an object that is from those peoples. So that's, I find it majorly cool. It, so you, you're walking around, you know, it's a beautiful campus. I got a little lost. Everybody, I'm sure, does. Lost is good. If Large. You, you find all these things going on. Right. So if you're there with young children, they can run around and play. But what they're playing on will be ancient mosaics from all kinds of houses of worship, especially synagogues, but not only synagogues. You mean they let you touch the exhibits? You're walking on some of these beautiful ancient mosaics. You can touch them. Yeah. So... There was one from an ancient church which had peacocks that was really very large and exquisite. That was upright. But most of them are in the ground. You can walk around and touch ancient pillars. The children could actually touch ancient wine presses from the times of the first and second temples and onward into, you know. And um, they have many millstones just lying around. And then, you, you know, you're walking around. And there's beautiful trees, people working there, somewhat chatty. And then there's a real live excavation. Going on in the museum? On In this campus. It's many acres. And you stumble along this uh, beautiful, well, really well-attended-to excavation. It's called a tell, as in Tel Aviv. Because it's, hill, an, it's called Tel Quasil, Q-A-S-I-L-E. Spell it again. This, and this Tel was first settled by the Philistines, the Plishtim, in the 12th century B.C.E. Okay? Okay. Now, that's that, quite that's old. old. That's old. Yeah. And um, 
So it was excavated in 1948. It was the first archaeological dig to be carried out in modern-day Israel. Thirteen layers of settlement were unearthed. That means, you know, thirteen different, different cities built on top of the in that one city. spot. Primo real estate for thirteen civilizations, including the remains of four shrines, as well as public buildings, dwellings, and craft studios. And they're all labeled in English, as well as Hebrew. So you're basically going down this big pit? No, you're walking around a kind of roped-off area that you can get very, very close to. So what I like to do when I travel is I keep a printout in my handbag of the biblical date next to the secular dates, okay? So, you know, when, when you see 12th century, that's 1-2. So Noah, wait a minute, 1-2, no. The no. Jews entered the land of Israel is in 1272 B.C.E. Right. So I, I can go back and forth with my little piece of paper and go ponder that, ponder that. That's when these... Philistines uh, so these, this, the, so the inhabitants so cool. of this Philistine city might have been some of the first people killed by the the uh, <laughs> conquering uh, children of Israel. You're saying? Well, I don't know. I mean, but you know because you know you know your your, your Bible better. You know the Chumash better I'm, than I'm I a do. better Bible I, bar, know, Bible Yes. Yeah. So it's all full of gardens and gorgeous places to sit. You know, it's a good place to hang out. You'd say on a day. Exactly, and it's very beautiful. And one of the things that I also really liked was the ethnography and folklore pavilion. And ethnography where, and folklore. Right, and I was told not to miss this. Like, if you're going to miss something, you don't have the time or you get tired from walking around, don't miss this. Don't miss this one, folks, yeah. So yeah. What's, what is this ethnography and folklore? I'm thinking folklore. I'm thinking, like, people in Pollyanna hats and stuff, you know, playing well, banjos. For me, it was really interesting because, again, you're in Israel, so you like seeing your name on buildings because I happen to be a Rothschild, but there's also a zillion other Jewish names on everything. You feel a sense of homecoming, a sense of belonging, which you just, you just don't have anywhere else. So here you start recognizing possessions that you might have grown up with. They had from the 1950s the uh, brass that was very popular for people to buy in all the little Jewish Judaic stores around the United States, or if someone went to Israel, they'd bring it back. And I recognized the menorah that I grew up with, which was very uh, sleek, uh, the blue, greenish, and brass mm -hmm. ornaments that everybody had a Seder plate. In a Seder like a swoosh, yes. Like you know what I'm talking about? You betcha. So they had, you know, the original dress, because this was an art form, a craft from Israel, and I happen to really like that stuff. And then, you know, you have the kasubas, and you have a, you know, a very famous um, ark that was brought from Italy that's from the time of the Renaissance, which is housed there. There's many of those in Israel, the, uh, the beautiful hand-carved Baroque-looking, um, very ornate Italian wood carvings that are gilded, which were used in the synagogues all over Italy. Many of them have found their way to museums in Israel. And, and then there's, uh, you know, other arts and crafts that um, the kasubas, you know, 
um, they have an example from all corners of the world, you know, from the North African, Moroccan areas, um, from Iran, and then from Northern Europe, and then as well from Italy. Uh, So you kind of see all the different styles of artwork. Now, it's not as much as you would see in other museums in terms of quantity, because it's small. Everything in Israel is smaller, but they're excellent in their categories. Okay, where where in Tel Aviv is this museum? What section is it? Oh, now there you got a good question here. And uh, like, how did you get home. there? You took well, the number two train, got off at, Le- at Atlantic Avenue, and switched to the D train. <laughs> I'm looking on the uh, postcard here. Well, um, I was showing children that I teach a shekel because we're talking about. You're probably mentioning it on the Jewish Hour today. What the uh, that Elva Jews took a half a shekel right, to, last build, week's portion to, of the half to shekel, the right. tabernacle. So in the Mishkan, so um, I showed them pictures, enlarged coins of what a half a shekel actually looks like. Um, well, the Land of Israel Museum is easy uh, to Google it up. The uh, I took a bus. It's on Two Chaim Livanon Street, Ramat Aviv. Is it Ramat Aviv, which is a northern suburb? Well, it's www.eretzmuseum.org.il, okay. and that'll get you there. And, uh, you know, you'll enjoy, if you're interested, if you have a visual mind and you, all the things that you studied, you want to see what they really looked like. It's a very um, pleasant experience, because it's not like a regular museum where you're walking around through halls and halls and halls of artifacts until it kind of you get numb from it. You're indoors, you're outdoors, you're uphills, you're downhills. You can take a little lunch and eat outside. It's very pleasant. Okay, cool. That's going to just about wrap us up for this uh, segment. I want to thank you so much. Our interest you just tuned in, our guest is Hannah Finman, my wife and co-producer of The Jewish Hour. Just came back from recently from a trip from Israel. We want to thank you so much, and just to let you know that guests that appear this week have the honor of having me as their dinner guests tonight, <laughs> and we will we'll give you back and take the opportunity to discuss. But I can't let you have the last word. Um, <laughs> there's one more thing I want to say. Go ahead. It's that truly, in, in their prayers, Jews, we pray Shachrit in the morning, Mincha, and Marit three times a day. And then in between, there's other stuff we can say if we're so inclined. We're praying a lot, and there's, we say 65 times a day, we ask God to return us to Zion, to Yerushalayim, to Jerusalem, to our homeland. We should get there. You betcha. Before the evening would be great. Yeah, so that's my prayer, my hope, that our ambition is that all of us together will be reunited in, in peace and prosperity and goodness to our holy land, because it truly is a holy land. And um, soon, now. Amen. Okay, that's going to do it. Bina, thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, that's the end. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. 
That's MI for Michigan, KO for kosher, and SUP for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Hey, Schultzman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, for your listening pleasure, this is brand new. This is, Barry, this is a very interesting song. This is Barry Weber who is, we've played him for a bazillion years already. Uh, this song is called Parsha, and it says, what, the song starts, what portion is it? We, we discuss the portion every week. So he says, what portion is it? And he goes through all 53 portions, like uh, Pirates of Penzance style. Let's listen. Welche Parsche, welche Parsche geht de Woche? Welche Parsche geht de Woche? Welche Parsche geht de Woche? Welche Parsche, welche Parsche geht de Woche? Ich weiß nicht, welche Parsche. Ich weiß nicht, welche Parsche. Von mir geht der andere Parsche. Oh, my God. 
And that was Barry Weber, Parsha. Up next, you're not going to believe this one. I really dug deep and found this. This is unbelievable. It's a, it's actually a Rosh Hashanah song, but I could not resist. This is Harry James. Now, I'm talking, who's Harry James? Luke, you know who Harry James was? Luke is... I do not. Harry James. Okay. You've lived a culture system. Harry James is one of the greatest, great trumpet band leaders from the 1940s. And this is a piece called Kaylee Kaylee, My God, My God. It is a cantoral piece made famous by the famous Yusela Rosenblatt. And it's just way cool. Let's listen. We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. 
Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hey, Shulzman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We like to present an eclectic assortment of Jewish music because everybody's got different tastes, and we would like you to experience what there is in the world, in the universe of Jewish music. So, up next, this is a very interesting piece. This is this is a, the art. The uh, artist is Simon Thacker. I believe he's from Argentina. He might be from Venezuela. I'm not sure. The piece is called Descanso del Mi Vida, which means for the rest of my life, it is a Sephardic jazz piece. Let's listen.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Simon, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week's portion, which is read in the synagogue, meaning the portion of the Torah from the first five books of Moses, is the portion of Chukas. It can be found in chapter 17 and following in the book of Numbers. In it, there are numerous stories. One of them is the story of the passing of Aaron, Moses' brother, the high priest, Aaron Hakohen Gadol. And it is described that they came to this place called Har Hahor, Mount Hor, which would be really translated into English as Mount Mountain or Mountain Mount, whatever how you're, Mount Mount, Mountain Mountain. You get the idea. And because it looked like one mountain on top of another mountain. And there he climbed up this mountain and walked into a cave and laid down on a slab that had been prepared for him. Actually, he took off his, his, the vestments of the high priest and put them on his son, Eliezer, who was then in charge. He lay down on this slab of stone and stretched out his legs and stretched out his arms, closed his eyes, closed his mouth, and exhaled. And his soul departed. And Moses said, whoa, that's way cool. I'd like to do that, too, when it comes my time. Me? I don't, I don't want to go. So it's like, um, no. Um, it's, that's called the kiss of death. Um, not like in the, like the Godfather movie where, you know, the guy was given the thing. You got the kiss. No. This is the kiss of death. It says it's like, as like taking a hair out of a glass of milk is this uh, way. The soul just leaves the body. Okay. Moses said to Aaron, as Eliezer, his son, Eliezer, excuse me, Eliezer, his son, was wearing the clothes of the high priest. He says, look how lucky you are. Your son gets to take over and you get to see that. That's an amazing, incredible thing going on over there because Moses knew his son not taking over. His Joshua's taking over. Joshua's a nice guy, okay, faithful servant for more than forty years, but he wasn't. He wasn't Ben Moses. He wasn't Moses' son, son of Moses. And Moses was, a little, I think, a little, maybe a little jealous for his brother, which that's okay. That kind of jealousy is okay. Then it comes. Well, what do we learn from the story of the passing? This is not, we're not just filling in like trivial dates, like on the first day of the month of Av, Aaron passed away, and this is how he passed away, and uh, go, go on with your life. No, we have to, if there's a story that's written in the Bible, 
it has to have some sort of uh, reference to us in our lifetime. There were thousands and thousands of prophecies that were not recorded in the Bible because they had nothing to do with us today. Everything that's in the Bible is relevant to us. So what's so relevant about learning about the passing of of Aaron? So here's the deal. For those of you who have kids, what would be success is passing on your ideals to your kids. For those who don't have kids, or if that didn't work, uh, let's say you were not able to pass your ideals on to your kids, now what? Are you a failure? No. Because within each of us, there's an Aaron and there's an Eliezer. There's this idea of passing down. There's this idea of... <coughs> of moving down to the next generation, you might say. Aaron's time was Aaron's time. He had 40 years as high priest. That's 120 times into the Holy of Holies. That's like way cool. Now there's a transition. It's a new thing. It's like variation of a single theme. But what do we have to do? We have to keep up. Let's say, for example, somebody like myself. Okay, I was a teenager in the 70s, and in the 70s, I was like considered, I considered myself to be way cool, even though probably a lot of people considered me to be a dork. But I was like on top of things. I was like into computers in 1975. Um, we had to sit there and, and pipe, <laughs> punch little little uh, punch cards with little, little key, key punch tool things over there. The big pain. But so it was like cutting edge of the time. Okay. Now, it's uh, 50 years later, and uh, we, we've, we've adapted so that now we're on, like, podcasts. Now we're dealing in different media. Now we convey the world, attacking the world in the media which is, rel- which is available to us. Can't stop. The world keeps progressing. The world keeps on making another Eliezer, and after Eliezer, it was Pinchas. And after Pinchas, it was Ailey, et cetera, et cetera. The world doesn't stop. And we can't stop either. We have to be up with things. Why? Because the reason why we're here is to make the world a better place. And if we have a new way of making the world a better place, we have to learn how to use it and how to make the world a better place. Speaking of a better place, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of The Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep The Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschelfinman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? If you're listening on RabbiFinman.com, you're right there. Just flip to the homepage. If you're listening on Odyssey or Spotify or Apple or iTunes or 
whatever, iHeartRadio, whatever it is that you, uh, however you're listening to your podcasts, well, go to RabbiFinneman.com and on the homepage is the Contact Us link. And you can pose to me anything you like. And uh, we've I've had over 28 years, I've developed some really pretty interesting uh, pen pen pals, you might say. Maybe we could call them uh, keyboard pals. There's also different ways in which we convey Judaism to the masses on RabbiFinman.com, including archive editions of the show and uh, insights into the portion via, via YouTube, etc., etc., etc. And there's a very important donations page. We're still playing with May. We got June, now we got July. And if we can get these three months paid in a reasonable manner, like meaning, by the middle of July, then we get a couple of weeks where we don't make an appeal. And uh, you get a, a bigger, longer story, which I'm sure you'd rather hear me tell a story than sit here and tell you that we need you to give money to the Jewish Hour because it's the only way which the Jewish Hour has been able to survive for 28 years is by donations from individuals like yourself. So go to Rabbi Finman, go to the Nations page. Pick a number, make it a monthly donation, whatever it is. Whatever you it is you'd like to do, it's all good. If you don't like using the internet, you can send your donation in an envelope too. It doesn't have to be an envelope, it can be any receptacle you want, just as long as the uh <laughs> it gets to the Jewish hour, seventeen twenty five, Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, four eight two two zero. In nineteen eighty eight, there was a Rebbe living in a Rebilla living in Jerusalem. His exact name I don't know, but he was the uh, he was the Toldus Aaron Yitzchok Rebbe of Jerusalem. Not a very big group, and he decided that he wanted to travel to Europe, Central Europe, Eastern Europe, to visit the graves of great tzaddikim like the Baal Shem Tov and the Mezuzah Magid and the Zusha of Anapoli and uh, Levi Yitzchok of Bardichev. You get the idea. Since he was not traveling with a full entourage, he's a Rebbe. He wanted to dive in with a minion. He, he, three times a day, he needed to pray with 10 men. It was the job of his assistant to arrange 10 people to be at every different place on whatever day it was to ensure that this told us Aaron Yitzchak Rebbe would have a minion. They're traveling. Things went pretty good until they got to Krakow. When they arrived in Krakow, they received word that two people were not unable to come. They only had eight people. You need ten. Now, this day happened to be the beginning of the new month. It was Rosh Chodesh, which is special prayers. And it happened to also be Rosh Chodesh Elo, which is even more special prayers, which should be said with specifically with a quorum of ten men. There's only eight and he was he was he was feeling downcast about it that here he was and it do things happen like this but you know you resign yourself suddenly two yeshiva students walked in hat jackets the whole business and he started getting ready for davening everybody's like what who what so after the services the rebbe called them over and said who are you so they said we are Lubavitch, students of the Lubavitcher yeshiva in brooklyn and in the summertime, we do what's called Merkoshlichus. We go out to the far ends of the world and reach Jews who do not have regular contact with any kind of Jewish religious organization. 
And we do, they do Jewish stuff. I've had the privilege of spending a month in Idaho in 1982. And we traveled around the length and breadth of Idaho finding, believe it or not, Jews. Lots of Jews living in, like one Jew living in a town. We found them. So he said, okay, so what, what are you doing here? Why, why, as I said, well, before we left, we turned our itinerary into the Rebbe, which we, when I went to Idaho, I also did that. We're going to be for this many days. We're going to be in Boise, and we're going to try to go, and go to Pocatello. We're going to Idaho Falls. So they, they these Bokram had a better deal. They were, they're traveling around Central Europe. Although, I don't know. We had real toilets. They didn't. So when we returned in our itinerary, we got an answer, please, and not please, make sure to be at the synagogue, the Ramah synagogue, on the first day of the month of Elul to pray the morning prayers there. No reason, no rhyme, no whatever. Just be in Krakow at the Ramah synagogue first thing in the morning to participate in the minion there. The told us, Aaron Yitzchak said, I knew the Lubavitcher, meaning referring to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, had vision. But I didn't know that it could see so far. That's going to do it for us. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we have a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.